Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Mike Rauber. I'm one of the investment writers at Julius Baer, and we'll start by giving you a brief market overview. Market sentiment was subdued following the big Fed day on Wednesday. The S&P 500 sank for a fourth session yesterday, losing 1.1%, and the Nasdaq fell 1.7% as interest rates rose. The yield on the policy-sensitive two-year Treasury climbed to 4.7%, reaching its highest since July 2007, while the 10-year Treasury yield rose to 4.14%. And so the two-year, 10-year yield curve inverted to a level not seen since the early 1980s. Curve inversions are sharply followed as they have a track record of preceding economic downturns by 12 to 18 months. Separately, a data release showed that U.S. service providers expanded in October at the slowest pace since May 2020, as orders growth and business activity moderated. Interestingly, After tech stocks have been beaten down by markets post their earnings releases, not least due to their rising costs, Amazon said that it will pause new incremental hiring in its corporate workforce, citing an uncertain economy, while Apple will halt hiring outside of research and development. Later today, we will get the U.S. employment report, expected is a rise in payrolls of 200,000 for October, and for the unemployment rate to have risen slightly to 3.6%. The Bank of England delivered its largest rate hike in 33 years yesterday, raising its base rate by 0.75% to 3%. Sterling slumped and the yield curve steepened as the central bank pushed back against expectations for the scale of future rate moves warning that this could induce a two-year recession. And ECB President Christine Lajard said late yesterday that there's still a way to go on raising rates, as she described last month's eurozone inflation of 10.7%, way too high. Euro-US dollar is little changed at 0.9780. And just a few minutes ago, September Germany factory orders were released. They fell 4% on the months a much greater than the 0.5% contraction that economists had expected. But probably the big news today is out of Asia. Japanese shares are the biggest drag, as investors in Tokyo are playing catch-up after Thursday's holiday. But Chinese stocks are on their way for their best week since 2015. The Hang Seng is jumping over 6% today as speculation continues to swirl around a potential China reopening. The latest are reports that China is working on plans to scrap COVID flight suspensions. Hong Kong tech stocks are leading the gains with Alibaba up 14% and Tencent adding 10% when I last looked. Helping is also a report that US audit officials completed their first on-site inspection of major Chinese companies in Hong Kong ahead of schedule. Hopes of a change to China's zero-COVID policy is also helping oil to rally this morning, with Brent now over $96 a barrel. And there are also reports that the US and its partners have agreed to set a price cap on Russian crude oil at a fixed level. This is as part of an ongoing push 
to enact a cap as part of EU sanctions that take effect on December the 5th. Beyond the US employment data today, Europe economic data releases are expected, including Eurozone producer prices, France production, and UK construction purchasing manager indices. And lastly, European equities are also seen to rise on the open on the China developments. But later today, the focus will be fair and square on the US employment data release. This is all on the markets wrap today. And now I'm pleased to hand over to Carsten Menke, head of Next Generation, with an update on digital assets. Good morning. Thank you very much, Mike, and good morning. So as we all know, uh, the earnings season is in full swing. And this also provides interesting insights into the business of the listed Bitcoin mining companies. The segment has performed even more miserably than Bitcoin itself, with losses ranging between 80% and 95% from last year's peak. So as a result, the combined market capitalization of the segment has fallen from US dollar 25 billion to around US dollar 4 billion as of today. This compares to a Bitcoin market capitalization of almost 400 billion underpinning how small the mining segment is relative to its underlying asset. Bitcoin mining, as we all know, is a very capital-intensive business due to the rapid depletion of the equipment, which requires constant capital investment and leads to a high fixed cost base. As a result, in times of falling prices, the miners are forced to sell an ever-growing number of Bitcoins in order to generate the revenues needed to cover their costs. According to on-chain data, the miners' Bitcoin inventory thus declined to the lowest levels in over a decade as of late. White goes without saying that the miners find themselves between a rock and a hard place in the current market environment. This is not only due to the decline in Bitcoin prices. The difficulty to mine Bitcoin has continuously increased during the past year, as indicated by the hash rate, which reached record highs as of late. So putting the two together, the decline in Bitcoin prices and the increase of the hash rate, the miners' revenue per hash is down to a record low, having collapsed by more than 80% since last November. So based on these elements, I think it becomes clear that the business is called mining for a reason. In fact, we see quite a lot of parallels to the real mining industry, or more specifically to small cap gold mining companies, which offer a comparable risk profile in our view. Both strongly outperform their underlying assets on the way up, only to strongly underperform on the way down while exhibiting excessive volatility. Ultimately, both are only suited for speculative short-term trading rather than any buy-and-hold investing. And sticking with the comparison between Bitcoin and gold, we still see the potential for Bitcoin to become a future form of digital gold. This is due to Bitcoin supply scarcity as well as the fact that demand is very much independent of economic activity and instead primarily driven by investors. That said, as we all know thus far, Bitcoin failed to show any kind of safe haven characteristics and instead remained risk on asset. That's all from my side. Back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Carson, for these interesting thoughts. And now I very much welcome Tim Geigy, head of FX and PM Solutions Geneva on currency markets. Over to you, Tim. What are your thoughts? Thank you, Mike, and good morning, everybody. Well, I've actually been traveling for the last couple of days, so I have tried to uh, interpret the central bank fund that uh, my colleagues have seen rather so far this week. The Fed, of course, hiked rates 75 basis points as expected. The dollar reaction was quite subdued, really, particularly against the euro, which was kind of what we expected because there was a feeling that this meeting was more of 
not an interim one, but it was more one that we clearly understood and that December's will really be much more important in terms of the tone it sets for where the Fed goes from here. More impactful was indeed the Bank of England, who came out with what the market have called a dovish hike, same magnitude, 75 basis points, but with some really very negative forecasts talking about a two-year recession. I would point out that the Bank of England really do have form here. Their short-term predictions after the Brexit referendum were wildly excessive. I mean, they were on the borderline of actually being irresponsible in terms of the panic that they caused in markets versus what actually happened. They really do tend to focus on the absolute worst case scenario in a way that other central banks don't. So I would take their view with a pinch of salt. I know what you're thinking. He's banging on about the pound again, and you're right. It is a great opportunity as far as I'm concerned, both against dollars and euros, taking a longer term view, taking advantage of the volatility and looking at some derivative products, um, particularly if you have some cash in dollars or indeed euros sitting around. Today, we indeed have non-farm payrolls. Traditionally, it always has been the most impactful piece of data in the calendar for FX. But as usual, I kind of wonder at this point what we can really learn. But also as usual, it is Friday and a big surprise on either side could trigger some volatility, particularly in the light of yesterday's dollar buying. So be aware. I mentioned on metals, they've done quite well this week, kind of held up. As usual, I still hold my most positive view on platinum and I'm encouraged to see it once again sticky around the sort of 925, $930 uh, level. It's really resilient and relatively speaking, it is still quite a lot cheaper than gold compared to historical levels. So I'm more cautious on gold. I wouldn't reduce gold exposure here. It's encouraging that it's held on at this sort of 16 25, 30 level, but waiting for a big rally to understand whether uh, it might be time to look at reducing long exposure. As I haven't been here much this week, I will keep this one short. Uh, one thing to bear in mind is that as for reasons beyond me, our American friends changed their clocks two weeks after us. Non-farm payrolls today comes out an hour earlier than usual at 1.30 Swiss time, so don't get caught out. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Have a super weekend and back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Tim. This concludes today's podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective. Whether it's starting a business, preparing for retirement, or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player.